0: We're talking about the emergency, right? Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask you to like pump us up a little bit. (laughs) Who's ready for Senate procedure?
1: (laughs) Jim Newell covers Capitol Hill for Slate. What's your headline gonna be?
0: My headline is gonna be, this is exactly what Mitch McConnell was trying to avoid.
1: What Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has been trying to avoid is a parade of senators having to publicly defend or reject the president's plan to build a border wall using his emergency
0: powers. Just the ugly spectacle was what Mitch McConnell was trying to avoid the entire way. He don't, I don't think he actually cares about, you know, the, the, the precedent being set here or, you know, the power of the person safeguarding that and blah, blah, blah. He's just worried about it being politically damaging internally.
1: But turn on cable news, and the spectacle—it's exactly what's playing out. Enough Republicans have announced they'll vote to block the president's border emergency that it's virtually guaranteed Trump is going to have to use his veto power to overrule them. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, a Republican,
0: has announced on FoxNews.com that he opposes the president's declaration. He'll support that measure to try to block it, saying, "Quote: I would literally lose my political soul if I decided to treat President Trump different than President Obama." When you see Rand Paul saying in his editorial that it would be literally like ruin his political soul if he voted for this, then what does that say about the people who, who are supporting the president here? It says that, you know, everyone else is not Rand Paul in the Republican conference, they're a bunch of hacks. McConnell really doesn't like to spend time on things that divide the Republican caucus for, you know, pretty obvious reasons. And he's very picky with his, what he puts on the floor. He really doesn't like to waste time on things that will be divisive.
1: But this vote is gonna happen. The problem is, a lot of Republicans have spent years trying to rein in the power of the executive branch. Now that President Trump is trying to push the limits, a lot of them are having to swallow their words. How long can that last? I'm Mary Harris, you're listening to What Next. Stay with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so quick, quick. How did we get here?
0: Quickly, eh? Um, (laughs) We got here in that the president really wanted his border wall built. Congress was never able to get it to him. So they shut down the government. And then in order to look like he wasn't caving to the Democrats, he declared his national emergency to get the money that he thought he deserved. So that's how we're here right now, where something that very few people in Congress thought he should do, the national emergency, is splitting Congress apart because the president is having the safe face.
1: How many times has Congress voted on funding a border wall? Like, I was surprised this weekend to learn, and I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, you know, it's been in budgets that have been turned down. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, how how many times have they considered and rejected this over the last... Few years?
0: Well, they considered, at least since Trump's been president, you know, the the White House has had its own request in every spending bill. So I guess we're in the, you know, third fiscal year of his presidency. And he's wanted a good chunk of it each time. The first year, he didn't get any of it. The second budget, he got about 30 miles of it or so for new fencing, at least. They gave him some replacement fencing. And then in this latest agreement, which he signed and then tried to supplement with a national emergency. They gave him about fifty-five miles, and he's wanted hundreds and hundreds of miles. So it's never—they've never gotten close to um, giving him what he's wanted. And I guess you know he thought through sheer force of will, I can I can make them do it. You know, I will say, at least in his defense, a little bit, he thought about shutting down the government over a border wall in September of last year, right before the election, and Republican leaders came to him and said. No, 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 we can't do that before the election. It'll ruin everything. Please, you know, we'll have this fight in December, and then we'll make sure you get your wall money. And they were just sort of hoping that he would forget about it. You know, that it wouldn't be something he's willing to shut down the government over by December, right in front of the holidays, because they had no actual plan to get it for him then. So some of the complaining about Congress, like why can't Trump just accept he's not gonna get exactly what he wants? It's because they build up the hope that they may be able to get him what he wanted, and they couldn't do it.
1: Just like, careful what you wish for.
0: Yeah. And I, it just in general, there's a, a lot with Trump where he says he wants something real bad, and he's going to do everything to get it. And they just say, well, let's do it in a couple of months and hope that his you know, his mind changes or he forgets or he's on to something else. But it, it didn't happen in the case of his signature policy promise here.
1: What you're putting your finger on is Congress thinking they can manage him in some way, but then they just keep being pulled up short, basically.
0: Yeah. And I think on, on some issues, maybe they can. Things he doesn't you know actually care about, but that they care about a lot more. But on this one, I mean, he, you know, I, I'm not surprised that he would keep coming back to this one rather than just being distracted by, you know, whatever new things on the television or whatever.
1: So the House has already voted on this. It's a one sentence bill, right? It's very short.
0: Yes, it is very short. And there's some, you know, Legislative mumbo jumbo in it. But it basically says the president's national emergency has hereby been terminated.
1: And now it's going to the Senate and we're gradually getting an idea of how various senators feel about this. Can you just break down where we are in terms of the Senate vote count and like who who's voting against the emergency declaration and
0: why? Sure. So right now, assuming everyone sticks by their word, which I think they will, Right now, there are 51 votes to pass this resolution blocking Trump's emergency. So it has enough to pass right now. Those are um, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, who are both you know, the two most moderate members of the caucus. I think it's also important to note that they are on the Appropriations Committee, i.e. they decide where the money goes. And so if you're on the Appropriations Committee, you're naturally a bit more concerned about the president bypassing the money that you've given him and just doing whatever he wants. So there's a little bit of turf protection there. Then there is also uh, Tom Tillis from North Carolina who is up for re-election in North Carolina this cycle, which is, you know, a state that never gets to be a, a blue state quite as fast as some people in the Democratic Party hope it will be, but it's going to be a difficult re-election for him. And he came out and said it's just, you know, similar to what Rand Paul said. It just wouldn't stand by his principles. I I did think it was interesting asking him last week. He was very much trying to make it sound like, you know, he wasn't directly rebuking the president. He was saying, you know, the president, well, he's also getting some of the money for the wall from transferring some existing funds, which is totally legal. And we should all support the president on that. And that's great. And he should do that. But just this amount of money that he's getting through the national emergency is something that, you know, we should reconsider. So he's been trying to hedge it like that.
1: And he's one of those people who's been saying, like, well, what if Bernie Sanders is president? Or what if Elizabeth Warren is president? We don't want them doing this to us.
0: Right. He's Yeah, he's been concerned about the precedent, too, which is something that you hear from a lot of those who are objecting to it. And then Rand Paul is the fourth who just says uh, this would go against literally everything I've ever said in my career about what the government should <laughs> do. So sorry, President Trump, I can't be with you on this one. You know, Rand Paul is pretty close to Trump. It'll be interesting to see if he tries to make an example out of Rand Paul or Tom Tillis and starts tweeting about them, because that's what a lot of these other Republicans who aren't happy with the national emergency declaration are scared of. They're scared of the tweets. They're scared of being a target and being on Trump's enemies list. But we'll see. I think, I think there will be a few more who are also going to vote with the Democrats on this.
1: Well, yeah. And if he doesn't go after Rand Paul, then the question becomes who dips their toe in the water next? I mean, right, are, we waiting yeah. to see, are we waiting to see who else might step forward and and vote in favor to basically block this?
0: Yeah. We also have some who really came out quite harshly against the idea of a national emergency before Trump declared it. And I think we're doing that to, to ward him off of that. But now that they're actually going to be faced with the vote, we're seeing what they're how they're actually gonna end up voting. So if you look at Chuck Grassley and John Cornyn, who are two very senior Republicans, they both really thought this was a bad idea before, but now said they'll go along with it. But a couple of the other bigger critics, like Marco Rubio or Lamar Alexander, they're still in the deciding phase. Lamar Alexander gave a speech last week, senior senator from Tennessee, very practical guy. He gave a speech, outlining other options for the president to get wall money later in the hope that President Trump might decide to change his mind and not pursue this national emergency after all. <laughs> but I I, <laughs> I I think that would really look pretty bad.
1: Yeah. I mean one of these senators who came out very strongly against the national emergency and now is going to have to vote on it is Mitch McConnell, of course.
0: Yeah, Mitch McConnell was the most vocal, Both in private and in public, warning Trump not to do this. And then the day that, you know, they needed Trump to sign this funding bill to keep the government open, the one that didn't have enough money for the wall in it, that Trump was, you know, starting to talk about maybe vetoing and entering another shutdown over again. McConnell needed him to sign that. So McConnell said, you know, fine, I'll support the national emergency as long as you sign this. But McConnell it's been very strange watching him pretend to think that this is something he'll support. He, at a press conference last week, someone asked him point blank, do you think this national emergency declaration is legal? And he couldn't give a straight answer. He just dodged the question.
1: Well, we're, we're in the process of weighing that. The lawyer was there to make his arguments. There were some counter arguments. I haven't reached a total conclusion about You know, I wouldn't go to me for a simple will. I did go to law school, but uh, we had had some real serious lawyers in there discussing that very issue.
0: So he is still clearly very uncomfortable with it. He's uncomfortable both with the precedent, but more so, I think, just how this is exposing sharp Republican divisions in public when he would rather be, you know, making fun of the Green New Deal or something on the Senate (laughs) floor and confirming judges.
1: Well, what strikes me watching all this go down is that the concerns of people in Congress and in the Senate seem to me to be quite different from the concerns of the voters. Like the voters might not like a national emergency, but in some ways the idea of the wall comes down to politics and like what you think is okay. And for the people who are sitting there in power, this is really about like who holds the reins and this question about whether the president has the power to take money from the budget when he wants
0: it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a turf war. It's definitely, especially if you're on the Appropriations Committee, you want your say to be the final say. And the president has a choice. He can veto it, which, in which case he'll be causing a government shutdown, or he can sign it and abide by it. So I think it really does get, for a lot of them, fundamentally down to the very foundational issue of power of the purse. With Democrats, at least in there, they've been trying to get more Republicans to support these resolutions blocking it. And so their messaging in the last couple of weeks, they've been trying to avoid talking about how, you know, a wall is stupid and Trump is stupid for thinking a wall will work, blah, blah, blah. And they've been trying to just point out, you know, on constitutional grounds, this maneuver that President Trump is using is not something that should be used. And, you know, it, it... hasn't gotten them, it appears, in either chamber to get a veto-proof majority on this. But it's gotten enough Republican support that you can say there was bipartisan condemnation of the president's extra-legal move.
1: Well, it also has members of Congress reconsidering the idea of emergency powers themselves. Like, the emergency powers the president has are pretty vast, right?
0: Right. And I this is another thing where they wrote they wrote the National Emergencies Act in the 70s, you know, they were thinking about hurricanes and floods and, you know, all those things that national emergencies are traditionally used for. There's dozens of outstanding national emergencies right now. But this is something extremely rare. You know, usually there's a national emergency and it has complete bipartisan support because it's a no-brainer.
1: When you kind of never hear about it again. It's like there's a national emergency, but we're like, okay, go back to their normal business. Like there are dozens of national emergencies in effect now, right?
0: Yeah, I feel like I you know, get an email every day, the president has declared an emergency because of uh, wildfires in California or, or something like that. Um, yeah, they're usually not really, they're, they're almost just technical steps in the federal government managing its response to something that is obviously an emergency.
1: But we did see this was hearing last week, where at least in the House, they brought legal experts up who were really encouraging them to like rethink the whole idea of this action in the 1970s.
0: Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> um, if you just look at the present being set here, one of the big concerns for Senate Republicans is... If they take this money from a military construction fund, what specific projects are they targeting? Are they targeting, say, a base in my district or a construction project in my district or my state? And so the the Republican leaders are saying to them, don't worry. If he takes that money, then we'll just pass another bill that backfills that money, that puts it back in the coffers. So then what's the precedent you're setting? You're saying that the Appropriations Committee can pass, you know, whatever it wants, the full funding of the government. Then the president can use an emergency to just take money and do whatever he wants with it with. And then they'll get the money back originally that they had originally appropriated. And that is obviously a horrible way to do government because it means that there's no consequences for the president trying to take money and use it elsewhere. They'll just get restored. So there's no political opposition to this. So I I think this is really being done on the fly here in the service of protecting people in the short term.
1: So what's the next thing on the calendar here? Do we know when Senate's going to vote on this?
0: They said they're going to do it sometime before the next recess, which is the week of uh, St. Patrick's Day. So it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. Yeah.
1: And after it passes, it goes to President Trump. He's promised to veto it.
0: Yes. And I believe he will. (laughs) Hmm. And then the House would take up a a vote to override the president's veto, where you need a two-thirds majority, which is about 290 seats. The original uh, vote in the House got about 245 votes with 13 Republicans joining. So they're not going to be able to override the veto. And then that will be the end of this process. That doesn't mean that the fight over stopping Trump is over. It's just going to go to the courts. And at least Democrats in Congress are hoping that by showing you know, that they had enough votes in both chambers to at least block the president from doing this, even if they couldn't override a veto. They'll be able to establish in any court filing what Congress's intent was. They did not ever intend to allow the president to have access to this money.
1: For people maybe like me, (laughs) for people who are looking at all this and kind of just seeing a mess, I wonder if you would reframe it, if you would say this is the system working because the gears are grinding and things are getting stuck and that's the way this is all supposed to work or whether you'd say nah this is this is a mess
0: well you could look at if both houses as it appears they will pass this resolution rejecting trump's approach you could you could say that's a way of the system showing it's working you know he stepped on congress's toes congress is going to step back the courts will ultimately decide, but everyone's on the record having made their positions. You know, I tend to think of everything as a sign of just the, the structural dysfunction going on now. I mean, let's look at big picture. Why is Trump in this situation? He made a promise on the campaign trail, but then in the Senate, because of the filibuster and the way things are polarized, he was not ever able to get his signature policy promise through. So then that, you know, with all the gridlock in Congress, that encourages this president or it could encourage the next president, you know, whatever they promised and then can't get through to take executive action. And this is sort of the problem with the government right now. You can't actually get anything you campaigned on through Congress because it's so polarized and so gridlocked that you then start playing more and more constitutional hardball and forcing these questions a lot more. So, I, you know, this is the big problem with government right now. If it's not really functioning through the proper channels, then presidents who need to uphold their promises are going to take bigger and bigger risks.
1: Yeah, it strikes me like Congress can finally agree on something that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. I mean, they can <laughs> they can agree that President Trump should not get all those miles of wall. But, uh, you know, Trump thinks he needs to deliver it. So he's going to try something new. You know, Obama couldn't get an immigration bill through. So he... Tried a couple of different executive actions that pushed the envelope a little bit um, and the courts rejected one of those. So this is just, you know, until we figure out a new way to break gridlock here, I don't know what that is. I think every president is going to be, you know, scouring through legal books to try and find some way to fit some major policy through what's effectively a loophole.
1: Jim Newell, thank you so much for talking to me about this. I feel like I actually, like, I can feel the learning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you feel the warmth that I always bring talking about uh, (laughs) structural gridlock and dysfunction?
1: I can. I love talking about it with you. Structural gridlock, yay. Jim Newell covers Congress for Slate. That's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. Do you love What Next? You can do us a really huge favor if you just go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other folks find the show, and we like reading through them. All right. Talk to you tomorrow.